Do you have like a fake stairs behind you? I do. That was going to be my disability story of the week. Oh, well, tell me now, because I need to know. It looks like you're just teasing yourself. You like put all your hopes and dreams at the top, and you're like, <laughs> one day. It's like three steps. <laughs> it's four. It, it literally is it so that your dad can like clean the top of the... No, because you can just use a step ladder. Tony, it's a rehab staircase. That's what I call like workout equipment for wheelies. It's all rehab shit. <laughs> like you just walk up and down it? No. See, I asked my parents if we could get another cat and my dad built me a staircase. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 It's, it's my friend. They sell staircases at PetSmart. They do. Yeah. 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 For lonely wheelies. So I asked my dad, I was like, dad, can I have a cat? He was like, I don't know, Mr. Joe, your mother seems to think that a new cat would scratch the Chesterfield. And we can't have cats scratching the Chesterfield, so I'll build you a staircase. Did, did that actually, was that actually a conversation? No. Because your, the rationale behind your dad is so confusing to me yeah. that maybe he would do that. It's super abstract. Yeah, he would think that like an inanimate object would be a sufficient companion. Yeah, because like, you don't need a pet, a friend. There's a, two railings. You can choose one. Mm-hmm. I have my comrades, the uh, model planes, and you have your little staircase there, Joe. <laughs> it looks absurd. Like it looks like you're doing a bit because it's just it's like four steps. <laughs> it's it's like you it's like you're at a model ramp store. Why is it just okay? Okay, first of all, why is it such a big deal that it's only four steps? I've had the same conversation about in inches in a different context. And it's the same reason. <laughs> it doesn't get you anywhere. It's not enough steps. It's not enough. You get all the way to the top and you're like, that was it. <laughs> oh, fuck. Okay, so, so you're like, I want a new cat. And your dad's like, that's fine, but we got you a staircase instead. Mm-hmm. Actually, my dad also wants a new cat. So every once in a while, he tells me that we should just get one and then... Uh, my mom will have to deal with it. But I think he also knows that that would be a quick way to expedite his eviction from the house. Right. But he could just build your mom a staircase. Uh, Right. Yeah, (laughs) he could. And that would also expedite his eviction from the house. So he actually made that for you to get exercise? He did. Yeah, I asked him to make it because I needed. Oh, wait, that's a lot. So you were like, Dad, since you won't let me get a cat, at least build me a staircase. Well, I've been lamenting recently that I don't really have a physical outlet. And I haven't really been using the stairs as much since I've moved to Thunder Bay. (laughs) So I was like, I bet you a little disabled Stairmaster would be good for me. So just to describe it for those who can't see, (laughs) it's just like built out of wood and it's four steps with a little landing on top (laughs) just basically enough for you to turn around and go back down the four short steps yeah but luckily you can turn into more steps if you go back up again yeah but you just have to go down first yeah it's not an escalator actually going down is really uh quite precarious because the slope of the ra- of the railing 
is a little bit too steep. Do you think your confidence is directly tied to how many steps you can do? Like as a, as a human being? Yeah. Like as a weary, if you can get up six steps, like how quickly are you going to master these four steps? I mean, like, Dad, can you add four more steps to this? Well, I don't think it's feasible to add more steps. Well, that's the conversation you're going to have to have with your dad. Because <laughs> either four more steps or two cats. Yeah, I don't. no matter what I do, I'm not going to be able to get a cat unless I move out of the house. You know what's funny? When I move out, they'll probably get a cat. <laughs> no, you're asking me if I have some sort of ableist ego. Well, you definitely do. You signed on your video call to a flight of stairs behind you. Where else am I going to put the stairs, Tony? I live in one garage. I don't have a second one. It's just accept that you don't need to. The whole point of being in a wheelchair is to avoid stairs. <laughs> and you're like, Dad, you know what I realized? As a person in a wheelchair, I don't do enough stairs. <laughs> That's, first of all, a slap in the face to every wheelie, including myself. Really? I look at that and I'm like, I'm going to need a new co-host. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You feel affronted by my choice of, of, of physio equipment? No, I feel like... If we were both homeless yeah. and you're like, yeah, I got this rental place. It's not great, but it's pretty good. Like, That's <laughs> it, dude. I'm going to find another homeless friend. It's only four foot squared, but it's more if you walk around it a few times. Yeah, I'm renting out someone's closet. Yeah. I'm like, that, we're done. That's, we're not friends anymore because now you're, you're, you're trying not to be homeless, which I get. I didn't want to be homeless either, but I maybe I'm just upset that I can't build a flight of stairs well i could but you could be even more ridiculous for actually i wish i didn't think of this live as i'm talking to you because how funny would it be if the next time we recorded there was a flight of stairs behind me but it had five steps <laughs> and i just don't mention it yeah yeah it's five steps but it's thick <laughs> right <laughs> I think five steps is average. That's what they say. Yeah, yeah. It's nothing to sneeze about or something. Because <laughs> you can have too many steps, and then you like, you get all the way to the top. And you're like, I, I'm just going to stop at the fifth step and take a break. Yeah, it's like a burden to to have it around, you know? Yeah. You get, yeah. You get tired too quickly. Yeah. So I think five steps is good. Four steps, you know, you have to justify it. But it still gets the job done. Of course it does. Yeah, I went up the four steps twice today, and I was really tired afterwards. Is it harder going down? It's much harder. Because yeah. it's more getting over the fear of falling, really. I, my mom is like, you see, the, you see the seat behind me? My mom sits in that chair and reads her book while I go down the four stairs. Oh, just in case you fall? Yeah, yeah. She can't do anything if I fall. She can only offer me moral support, I think. Does she have, like, TikTok ready just in case? Yeah, well, she, uh, yeah, she has Facebook Live ready. Okay, good. For my sister. If you could ask her to stream it to me, that would be very <laughs> helpful. She would love to, I'm sure. But don't ask her to get me a cat because she'll close the Facebook Live video feed if you do that. No, she wouldn't. She's, she would. We're friends. She like, she's vehement about my catless existence. Yeah, but not as vehement as uh, watching you fall down a flight of four steps. <laughs> I think we can make it happen. <laughs> Plus, 
cat or cat would honestly love scratching that staircase. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we could. It could be. It's the whole thing could be a scratching post. Yeah. Yeah. And then but you then, guys cuddle up on the landing together. The <laughs> then the irony would be though that it would one day it would scratch my hand as I'm on the the downward incline, and then I would fall on my face. What is it that you think being able to do steps is going to bring to your life? I'm still trying to wrap my head around this. It's it's the weight bearing because I just I'm tired of the purple hue in my feet. But why stairs? Why did you choose the most ableist mechanism to get up and down different <laughs> altitudes? Because if you're just like if you're walking along a flat stairless plane, then it's a little bit easier than if it's a staircase. Staircase. Yeah. No. I I mean I get it. It's just rude. Okay, you know what? Like, you obviously didn't think about how I would feel when you made your dad build a staircase. I didn't. I, In fact, I knew it would be good fodder for the podcast. <laughs> we should start our Patreon, and one of the episodes is just you doing the flight of stairs during the podcast. <laughs> Honestly, I would probably subscribe to our own podcast. Yeah. I could wear a GoPro and just look down at my feet the whole time. Oh, no. Think, everyone, look how fucking intense this is. My <laughs> left foot is caught on the second step. I'm going to die. It's just like a Twitch stream of you walking up and down the steps all day. Yeah, it's like the equivalent of like an able-bodied person like going, uh, what's that cave diving bullshit where they wear those wingsuits? Like base jumping? Yeah, and then they slide into the side of a mountain and the obituary talks about what a free spirit they were. Right. Yeah. He did. He had his own staircase. You <laughs> could tell he was ambitious. So many wheelies just give up on stairs altogether. <laughs> this man had a bespoke staircase. What do you? It, it's kind of the same as me doing the popsicle sticks, actually. It would be like if Superman had a bar of kryptonite that every once in a while he just hung on to, you know, like cuddled with to feel mortal for a moment. Yeah. I'm not comparing myself to Superman. Sorry. Well, you just did. But do you have a goal of how many ups and downs of this flight of stairs you want to get done in a day? Okay. So if up and down is one rep, yeah. if it's one rep, I want to be able to do five reps in a, in a session. So 20 up and 20 down. Yeah, 20 up, 20 down. And you're at two right now? Just two, yeah. And is the goal for your mom to be sitting beside you the whole time? Well, eventually she can go away. Right. Yeah. Only on the up the incline, though. You get to the top of the stairs, you have her come back, you go down, and she can leave and go heat up her coffee and then come back up. Yeah, her tea. Her tea, yeah. Honestly, as I said, coffee, I was like, she's a tea drinker right now. Yeah, of course she is. Yeah. Yeah. My whole family drinks tea religiously. Except for you. Except for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm the black sheep. I'm going to have a hard time moving past the stairs because it's absurd. Well, to be honest, I, I, I don't really mind aggravating you like a little bit. I honestly don't think you've ever even stepped foot on the stairs. I think you just put them there just for this conversation. As like a flex. Yeah. It's like it's like when a like a, a, a lazy bachelor has like a full workout machine behind them and you just know that it's a glorified uh coat hanger. No, I, I know that you actually take those stairs. And it's I wouldn't go as far as say 
impressive, but I I appreciate what you're trying to do. I think stairs was not a very creative choice. Yeah. What would you rather it be? I don't know. I just can't see you ever getting to a point where you're like, hey, do you want to come over to my friend's house? There's four steps to get in. <laughs> and you'd be like, trust me, I'll be fine. <laughs> like you've been practicing for this moment. You have your Rocky montage of you walking up and down the stairs and your mom's not even in the house. I biked for like over a decade on a stationary and I never thought of the moment where I would actually be on a real bike. Yeah. For a stationary bike, you're not really simulating biking. No, you're just simulating cardio. <laughs> yeah. Biking, there's a lot of other stuff going on. Yeah, there's that. You need like an actual core for it and your lower yeah. back should ideally not be a corkscrew. Right. Yeah, and you should have reaction time that's uh, quicker than, you know, a season of a TV show. Speaking of which, have you timed yourself going up and down the stairs? Like I said, it took me about 10 minutes today to do up and down. At the, when I get to the top, I stand at, at, I stand there and I like revel in the victory. Yeah. yeah. Just look around at how short everything works. Yeah, yeah. See the dust on top of all the surfaces. Right. And not, don't, I don't mention it to my mother because right. she's already doing me a solid. And then, yeah. That's so nice that your mom just sits there with you too. It is, yeah. She also would go for walks with me for most of my walks. Has she ever had to bail you out? Um, That's a good question. A couple times, yeah. Like when I hit um, ice in the early winter, she would hold on to my arm. I'm surprised that you even walk in the winter. You, you're gonna, I think a lot of people are going to stop listening purely out of shame. You're going to have shamed so many wheelies. Like I, because I've like, I've defrauded them or something. I've given them the wrong impression. Well, no, because they're going to, they won't be able to compare. They're like, well, because I know I don't go out in the winter and I don't even attempt. I see stairs and I'm already looking around. I, I, I look at stairs the way, the way able-bodied people look at me on the sidewalk. Like I'll see a flight of stairs and I'll avert my eyes. Have you actually had people like actively avert their eyes from you? I've had people cross the street. Really? Man, well, did, maybe they thought you didn't have enough sidewalk room. Yeah, I think that's it. I think they think they're being polite. Yeah. It's the same thing where like, like you're going through a crowd and there's always that one dude. It's always a dude. And it's not just a guy. It's a dude. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He's got like uh, Amber Crombie and Fitch shorts on. Yeah. A tan. And he's like being really nice, but you also know it's virtue signaling a little bit, or at least I feel like it is. And he'll just like stop whatever is happening and be like, make room. And it's just like, he'll make like, like way too much room. He'll like ask people in the next town over to start moving. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And he feels like such a hero while he's doing it. And you can tell there's a lot of wheelie white knights out there. It's pretty annoying, actually. And then he'll like tap you on the shoulder as you go by. Like, good job, buddy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's when it's like, oh. Does he ever slip slip you a fiver as well? No, I would be fine with that. Yeah. I would find more crowds if that ever happened. It's mostly old people that give me money. It's usually just people who want to 
show them that they're aware of you. Yeah, it's for the performance of the deed. Yeah. But it's not always the case. There are obviously people who will just like tap the person in front of them and be like, hey, you want to move aside? Like, those guys, you always know when it's going to be one of those guys because you know when the parting of the crowd is going to end in the tap on the head. Yeah. But I do get the money thing sometimes. Um, like, I remember recently I was waiting for a friend outside to get off the bus and I was wearing a hat. But my hat fell off and just like <laughs> rolled off my head into my lap. Okay. And so it wasn't like on the ground. It was just on my lap. But someone just thought that because I was sitting on the sidewalk and my hat was on my lap, I was begging for money. No, come on. Yeah. That's like a Mr. Bean type thing. I know. So did it did it fall like on your lap like open open face open like up like it was a bit askew it wasn't perfectly planted yeah it was but it was enough for someone to go I think that's what that's all about first of all why was the hat not fitted to your head it seems like an unlikely oversight for you to wear a hat that's too big for your head it's not that it was too big it's that because I have the headrest that's like constantly rubbing against my head oh yeah if my head moves around too much the the hat just stays where it is and then eventually it's so lopsided that a breeze can just blow it off i want it it would be cool to have like maybe like some velcro on the front face of the back part of the hat and it would just stick to your headrest if it like came loose you say cool (laughs) i don't know it'd be cool if you just Strapped your hat to your head. <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> you ever considered bungee cords? <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely won't do that. It's actually pretty practical to, for me to wear hats when I like them. And ever since I got laser eye surgery, I'm very conscious of the fact that I have to protect my eyes from the sun. And sunglasses work, obviously, but I can't take them on and put them on and take them off. Put them on, take them off. So uh, I feel a lot less weird wearing a ball cap inside as opposed to sunglasses. Do you think if you were like egregiously rich, you'd just have like a sunglasses attendant? I would have an attendant 24-7. Yeah. 100%. And you pay them well, right? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think is like a good salary for an attendant? Is it just like a percentage of what you make or is there a ceiling? Well, it's like at the very minimum, it's a it's a livable wage. Right. Where they don't need to find other work. Like 30 bucks an hour? Yeah. I don't know. 70? Yeah. If you're like loaded. Yeah. If you're loaded. Yeah. Because that has to assume you're making at least double that, right? Mm-hmm. Would you ever pay your attendant more than you make? More than I make. Well... Is it is it subsidized by the government? No. Would you ever give them half your salary? I don't know. It de- it depends how close I am with them, I suppose. Right. I mean, is is it if it's all my money that I'm giving to them and I'm I live a modest life, then that would be a difficult thing to maybe justify, but I don't know because I benefit a lot from their care. Yeah, but they wouldn't be working 8 hours a day. What do you mean? Like if you're paying them like 60K a year and they're working 
three hours a day. That's a pretty nice salary. It is, yeah. I don't know. I'm not very good with money or the value of people's time, but it would be, I know, I would, if I had an attendant with me 24 seven, it would have to be a livable wage. Yeah. Because you'd have to incentivize them to stay with you. And they'd also have to not feel as though they were subordinate to you. Well, there are also other arrangements, right? Like you give them a place to live, you pay for their food, and then you pay for like them to live. But your the cost of living is significantly lower if they're not paying for any of that stuff. So they don't need maybe as high of a, a day-to-day or month-to-month salary. You mean if they're a living attendant? Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, there's there's a few ways you could definitely do it. I would love to have my own attendant. Just the idea of having someone that you can bring around to like the grocery store when you need to buy food and just, I don't know, I always feel like I'm dual tasking my life. Like almost every night I'm eating dinner while cooking the dinner for tomorrow night and almost never eat finishing tonight's dinner because I'm too busy cooking tomorrow's dinner. And it's just a vicious cycle. Unless I cook a bunch of food, then I can get away with a few nights where I don't have to cook at all. So then I can just eat that night. And I live for those nights. You live for the nights when you don't have to think about the next day's meal? Yeah. Because you never actually get to sit down and relax and enjoy your meal because you're always afraid of going hungry? Well, it's not that I'm afraid of going hungry. Like, I do really enjoy cooking. But because on a night where I don't have to think about the next day's meal, then I can just eat and I always get to eat. And I actually get to be full at the end of the meal. Oh. Most days I I don't actually feel full because I'm too preoccupied with cooking for tomorrow that I don't actually get enough time to eat tonight. So you're saying it's 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 a lot of mental overhead for you to optimize your attendance time such that you meet your needs throughout the entire week. Yeah, like I have to be like, okay, like tonight I didn't get to finish cooking tomorrow's meal. So I'm going to have to hope that the person who puts me to bed has enough time to do a couple quick things to finish it so that it's ready to start in the morning because I'm slow cooking it all day so that I don't have to cook it tomorrow night because tomorrow night is one of those nights where I really just want to eat instead of... Because like tonight, I had probably two bites of food while I was eating because I was cooking for tomorrow. Tony, that's a little bit fucked up. So that you literally go hungry even though you're preemptively preparing your meals constantly. Yeah, but I know tomorrow I'll be having as much as I want of a great meal. I feel like I it's going to be awkward if I come stay with you at some point in Ottawa because like you'll be making all this food and it's it'll be like for you and I and I'll totally like pay for it all and everything and like compensate you as much as I can but at the same time I'll be able to eat as much as I want and you'll be able to me- eat in proportion to the amount of time you have to think about or to just eat. Like, that's that's weird. If I was able to feed myself, I don't want you to feel bad because I would be 900 pounds. 
Well, you don't know that that's true. Yeah, no, I do. It, you would only be 900 pounds because you've gone so long with this weird kind of scarcity. Yeah, I get one meal a day. So I'm always trying to like make it the best meal. That, see, that's that's crazy because it's like it's like your disability kind of, imp- I don't know what the word is. It's like somewhat impoverishes you from a, from a certain quality of life, even within the things that you're capable of doing for yourself because of having to manage your resources, your care, and also to work around your limitations. So even though you work a, a great job and you have hobbies and like you lead a full life there are still elements of your life i mean let's not go too far i have no stairs in my apartment but do you know what i'm saying like like your things are hard in a way that seems so unnecessary i don't know what that means everyone everyone just has different things they have to balance well, but you should have as much time as you need to eat enough so that you're full so that you can fucking focus on other things. I don't even th- I think being full is overrated. Oh, that's you sound like you sound like someone who's gone hungry every day for months and months. <laughs> but I actually think being full is probably not that good for you. Like, okay. I don't think you're supposed to be full. Okay. All right. So we could, you, you could, you could deflect this conversation into a discussion about portion control, <laughs> but that that's not what we're talking about. You just want to be the, able to. I'm the best at portion control. As I said, I had three bites for dinner. So it could it be the case that this whole popsicle thing is just so that you could eat more? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Because my dentist told me if I didn't figure something out, I would end up on a liquid-only diet. And that is probably the saddest thing I could have heard. Ugh. I actually, that's, it's a weird thing I've been trying to balance because as, as I've talked about, I have a feeding tube and it's been my biggest insecurity for like since I got it 10 or 11 years ago. But it, for whatever reason, has never fully healed properly. And I've tried second opinions and third opinions and I've tried nursing and all sorts of, I've been like basically just asking anyone who has any idea what I could do to help me. And I haven't really gotten anywhere with it to the point where it's so inconvenient, the amount of mental energy that it takes from me that I've thought about, I've weighed the pros and cons of just getting rid of it. And one of the things that's stopping me from doing that is that I only get one meal a day, which would not be a sustainable amount of food to get to survive without it. Man, it's such a, like an unreasonable and stupid constraint. (laughs) Yeah, but the other thing is, because of my disability, my jaw is weak enough that I'm pretty sure the amount of energy I spend chewing and swallowing food, depending on the food, obviously, is often not, is often less than the amount that the food, or no, is often more than the amount that the food is giving me. So you're burning more calories than you're taking in just from trying to eat? Exactly. So 
So, like, I think I need the feeding tube. Before I got it, I was legitimately, like, 60 pounds. It was an unhealthy weight, and I was getting sick really easily. My body basically didn't have resources to fight infection. So you got your feeding tube when in 2011? 2010. It was right after, have we not talked about this? It was right after a crazy frat party. Right, we did talk about that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, when you aspirated and Jeff Bacool saved you. Right, exactly. So you've had it for 10 years, and for the entirety of those 10 years, you've had like medical complications from it? Uh, For the majority, for sure. And is that because of like medical malpractice or incompetence or? No, I don't think so. I think it's, you know how like when you get an earring, it's supposed to, you put the earring in and then the whole heals around the earring to the point where if you don't move the earring every once in a while, it can like basically adhere to the skin or the skin will adhere to the earring and it just kind of becomes part of you. Yeah. Yeah. So the a feeding tube is supposed to be the same thing where they chop a hole in your stomach, put a little tube there. Did you have to say chop? Slice. Did, does, is it like a, a, a butcher like performs the procedure? I could go into great detail about the surgery because I woke up during it. Yeah. You told me that story as well. I, I'm not sure I want to relive that anecdote, to be honest with you. I don't really. I, I enjoy it because it makes me feel like I've lived (laughs) like you've lived on the edge you don't know what i've been through (laughs) waking up from like poorly administered anesthesia is like is like extreme sports for tony yeah but no for whatever reason my my feeding tube never really they when they put it in they were like make sure you turn it a little bit every day just to make sure the skin doesn't like stick to it fuck does that mean you like there's a tube somewhere protruding and you just twist it for fun yeah like a fidget spinner yeah what the just fuck? Like, yeah it's a little tiny it's like about the size of your thumb that sticks out of my stomach just the size of your my thumb that's not too bad it's not big but because it never healed i also have to put like a bandage around it that like soaks up the disgust so why didn't it heal? I don't know. It's a medical mystery. Like, it, it just no one can answer that question for you? Right. And so now we're having the conversation of, well, we could take it out, let it heal, try a new hole in a slightly new spot, and see if that heals. But then it's all about, it's all the question of whether or not you could basically endure another surgical procedure of that nature. Exactly. It would be... I'd, I'd have to get full anesthesia. I'd have to be intubated. Would you have to like sign a waiver or something? I'd probably wake up during it again. Oh, God. Like, it, it, it honestly does sound like medical malpractice. Why the fuck did you wake up? And, and the doctor apologized to you. Well, because they were too afraid. They were too afraid to overdo it. Oh, it would yeah. have been worse medical malpractice if they gave me too much. And they killed you? Yeah. Jesus. But well, is there not like a society for people with feeding tubes? I've Googled it. I don't know. I've had people like I I don't know. It, it's nuts. It's really frustrating. But the thing is, like, usually I can go almost a full week without any issue. 
But then there's one day where it's just absolute mayhem. And that one day, get I get right in my head. I'm like, this is the worst thing. I need to get rid of it, you know? And I can't break that cycle because it happens once a week-ish. So, okay, so multiple times, like three or four times a month, you have some sort of crisis that that occurs around your feeding tube. Yeah. That's too much. Like I, I was at the beach on the weekend and I had like a couple sips of a drink and then just, it was a tsunami. Oh, Tony. Yeah, it was disgusting. And like, and nobody else that I was with even noticed or cared. Um, but I just get so stuck in my head. I understand that. Yeah, it makes you feel vulnerable, and there's a, you're like, there's a bunch of questions flying around in your head. And oh yeah, I'm like, I I start to like, I'm like, oh, like I should just get a new tube. This is disgusting. Nobody's ever gonna like love me. Like it's a whole thing. <laughs> oh god, yeah. all over the goddamn feeding tube that wasn't your, it wasn't your negligence to begin with. I don't think it was negligence. I don't know. The reason that I keep like sticking to this idea that they did you wrong is because you once told me a story about how you went for a consultation over your feeding tube and there was some component of it that they had to replace. But you're like your gastroenterologist. I don't know. Is that who would have installed it? Yeah, that's right. Installed. Yeah. Whoever uploaded the device to your body um but yeah like there was one appointment you had where he wasn't available or something so he had like two med students do the procedure instead and they didn't know what they were doing like they literally had the textbook out while they were trying to replace the component the manual yeah and then and then you went into like full tony kitchen mode and you were like describing how to install it as though you were dictating a recipe to your attendants. And it's I'm just thinking, like, why does it fall upon your competence all the time to make up for the difference in other people's inability to look after you? Like, it's so frustrating. It is frustrating. But I always try to remind myself that, especially in medicine, like, nobody's going to care more than you. So you have to be your biggest advocate. Yeah. Like, I don't think you can ever expect anyone to care more than you do about your stuff but especially with medicine like it's not even that they don't care it's just they have hundreds of patients to deal with and so yeah you can't always be their top priority i yeah i know i know and every time somebody does you wrong you always find a way to empathize with them i understand that no it is very frustrating i kind of felt pretty sweet after i was like Man, I know this so well that I just talk people through changing my own tube. You felt like you were like the star of an episode of House or something, like yeah. like a diagnostician, like at the top of his game. But you also feel very alone because that's when I'm like, okay, well, if I know this better than anyone in the room, that means maybe I'm the only one that like I've I've come up with suggestions on how to prevent it from leaking. That my GI doctor be like, oh, okay, yeah, let's try that. What the fuck? And I'm like, why is it? I I I like that he's receptive because some doctors are like, you don't tell me how to do my job. 
Well, yeah, I was just going to say that's like like a member of marketing, like suggesting the optimal way to implement a data structure for a particular software solution. <laughs> right. Like, fuck off. That's insane. Yeah. It, it, is it like know. when it comes from an, an attendance and sometimes sometimes I think that it's because they don't actually feel liable or they don't feel like they're going to lose their job if they don't feed you enough or make optimal use of your time. And they're, they're like not afraid of any repercussions. And it, it speaks to like the, the power dynamics between wheelies and everyone that looks after them. It's like, there should be some fucking consequences. I, I've, I've had doctors definitely say things in front of me to like a colleague or a student that were just mind blowing because they basically were just being like, yeah, but in his situation, like, we don't really care. What? Why don't we care? Like, oh, I have one example. Um, let me know if we'll have to talk, cut this out. No, we don't have to cut this out. Tell me the story. One time, I had a red mark on my dick, and I had to go get it checked out, because I was like, oh, is this like uh, an STI, right? Okay. And I brought it up to the doctor. Obviously, they checked it out. He was with a student. And they said, the doctor said to the student right in front of me, like not even trying to hide it. Well, it wouldn't be an STI in this case, right? Motherfucker. I would have driven, I would have driven my chair into him for several minutes. So I tried to take the high road and I was like, well, actually it very well could be blah, blah, blah. But like it was, because also how do you say it could be an STI? Uh huh. To a doctor in that situation, without like trying to sound like a weirdo. Well, actually, doc, I have sex. Why is you saying that you had sex being a weirdo? Like you're literally in an environment where that is relevant information. You didn't like say it and then wink at him. Usually active. I did wink at him. That was probably the issue. <laughs> well, sometimes you gotta wink. I don't know. And then there was like a ding when I winked. I got a glint off my teeth at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. So, by the way, this anecdote, I'm not saying you're a plagiarist, but this is um, verbatim of one of the anecdotes from Crip Camp. Oh, that's right. About the woman who had an STI and she developed a fever from it and all kinds of complications. I think it was like gonorrhea or something. And she went to the doctor and they're like, uh, you must have just like a regular fever because it couldn't be sex. Right. And then it turned out that of course it was. Yeah. And then she was like so happy that she caught a fucking STD. In my case, it actually wasn't, which is great. Oh, I thought you were going to say which was disappointing. No, I didn't want one. Yeah. I get why she wanted one. Yeah. Or why she was happy when she got one. Yeah. Because it was like probably the most normal thing that could have happened to her in that moment. Yeah, to an early 20-something who is, you know, exploring an active dating life. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. I can't believe I didn't even bring that up when we watched the Crip Camp episode. But Is it weird that I really want to know what the red mark was on your penis? It was apparently just chafing. Oh, from what? They didn't, they don't do up your zipper properly? So, here's a fun one. (laughs) I sit on my balls. A lot. Oh, oh no. And I never know how. But sometimes 
like my dick is kind of underneath me. And then when someone... I hate when that happens. That's the worst. Yeah, it is the fucking worst. And when someone goes to help me with the urinal, they're literally like fishing it out. Yeah. like, like And I'm like trying to tilt back and like sometimes I have to like lift a leg a bit. It's nuts. Wouldn't it be funny if they developed like a grabber for attendance to like grab like your dick and balls? Right. Yeah, we could market that. It's it's like hand modeled after like some prominent porn star. Yeah, but I wouldn't want that. I'd want it to be like wrinkly grandma hands. Why? Because you don't want to get excited when an attendant's pulling your dick out. That's, oh, that's a good point. Right? You want it to be the opposite of exciting. Here's what happens. Sometimes it gets so lodged under there that an attendant starts trying to fish it out. Yeah. And then, like, blood starts rushing to the area. Yeah. And I have to, like, start thinking of just disgusting stuff. Because it's not that I'm into it. It's just a physical reaction. Yeah. Uh, So, anyway, I sit on myself a lot. (laughs) i never know which is probably how i got the chafing but i Uh never know how to ask someone how to to pull it it out oh without sounding like a weirdo like a creep yeah sorry i'm still thinking about this grandma this grandma dick grabber and like okay like i guess one way you could avoid like an accidental half job is just to like refrigerate it that would be real creepy though if it was like cold grandma hands well i mean like that can't be at that point that is not better than any other option it's anti-erotic you know like it's yeah it's anti-erotic but i yeah i don't know if that's a pathway i'm wanting to go down okay well we'll workshop this idea yeah yeah, yeah. i think we're on to something we are on to something we definitely need a tool because i think it's the same reason as we've talked about when a guy attendant sometimes has to get in there, they're like, I'm not doing that. I was actually just trying to think of like a, a like a gender neutral angle to this conversation. And there is none because like women probably don't have this problem. Yeah, I don't know. I doubt it. Right. I'm sure they I'm sure they have they have different problems. I'm sure. Yeah. Like when someone puts on their bra, maybe it's like, can you pull my boob up a bit? It's not yeah. really like in there. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, I think being a guy in a wheelchair is way easier than being a girl in a wheelchair. 100%. We don't have to deal with much. No. But they have to deal with a lot. Anyway, I'm no expert on that. But what I am an expert on is Sam on dick. And how do you ask someone? I've tried, like, hey, I'm saying myself. And nobody, 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 well, not nobody. Most people are not that eager to do anything about it. See, I think what you do is like, like you get egregiously rich and you hire that like a 24 hour attendant, like we said, for 60, 60 G a year. It might have to be more. Well, no, but I'm saying like for, they get a bonus every time you accidentally sit on your dick. Okay. But then will they be incentivized to put you on your dick? Yeah. But then how would they do? It'd be real awkward to like slyly tuck you under in a way that would ensnare your dick. No, they just pull you up. Pull your pants up really high every time. Every fucking time? But then you could totally call them out for that. I don't know. Because uh, it's the same thing that happens in the shower when you want them to wash more between your legs. Yeah. And I'm just like, how do I ask for that without being like, more? 
I uh, you just say it's not I'm not done down there. I'm not done. <laughs> I just realized that it doesn't quite work either. That's like the worst thing you can say. <laughs> yeah, They're washing yeah. between your legs. Like, I'm not finished. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, this No, it's a tough one. Like I usually am just like, can you do a bit more or like whatever? But I think we need like robots, like robot attendants yeah. for, for like the most unmentionable of different deeds. It's really hard because like some of them are fine. Some of them will get right in there. Those are the people I I look forward to yeah. because I know when I'm going to get someone who just kind of avoids that area or what yeah. they'll do is they'll wash like, like around like a V, a triangle yeah around everything but avoid the thing yeah the whole point we've all we've talked about this the whole fucking point of the shower is the bone zone yeah and, and like you got to get right in there or else yeah so like there's the, nothing worse than like like an unhygienic groin oh no it's it's so it's literally the worst thing <laughs> like if i told you if we were playing a wheel breakers and i said you could be fully able-bodied but you couldn't apply soap to your groin no, like what the absolutely fuck? not. What do you think I am? Yeah, in a week, I wouldn't be able to leave my house. Oh my god! Yeah, you'd be a feral creature. Yeah, I mean, unless now I'm playing wheel breakers. That's fine. We, who says there needs to be an order to this? There doesn't. The movie we watched was stupid anyway, and we're going to talk about it, but it was dumb. I know. I I think I'm avoiding it. I am too. The soap. Like, what, can I use shampoo? No. Right, it's just nothing that cleans it. Yeah, you can just, only water. Just water. Just water. I can't come up with creative solutions, like natural products that help or something. Nope, nope, no mayonnaise, no mustard, <laughs> just water. <laughs> Imagine that was the trick all along. <laughs> <laughs> Mayo, like, healed your feeding tube <laughs> and shit. Oh, man, if I found out that in order to heal my feeding tube... I just slather it in mayo every day. <laughs> I might just live with it the way it is. <laughs> oh, God. That might be worse than asking someone to wash my balls more. Being like, can we just grab the mayo out of the fridge? It really shouldn't be deemed inappropriate to expect, you know, decent testicle hygiene. I don't think it is. I just think that, I don't know. It's in my head for sure. I'm sure some people are really good about it, but I get in my head about it. Because, like, it's just always an awkward situation. It, it it just depends on the attendant. It depends on your rapport. Uh, like I said, some of them are super good about it. Tony, the next time you're on vacation, like, you should just make yourself, like, a, a huge three-course meal and spend three days eating it. And then the whole time, hire an attendant to wash my balls. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're, it's just, all they're always being washed. Right. <laughs> yeah okay fair enough you know what we should invent like a ball washing Roomba oh like it's just like a, a belt that you put on and it just goes to town yeah yeah and it somehow like uses quantum physics equations to figure out how to elevate your balls out of its vice between your legs right yeah and it's it could, like a, a self-cleaning chastity belt <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to prevent pleasure or whatever. Right. 
maybe build, build that in version two. We could, yeah, but we wanted to focus on cleanliness first and foremost. You don't have, the, the the pleasure part's not the problem for you. No, it is when I think it's unclean. Because <laughs> then I'm like, you're gonna want to avoid that area today. So and so got me up this morning. So, oh yeah, I feel like we've talked enough about that for a while. Until next episode. Until next episode. Yeah. Should we talk about the movie? Yeah, sure. So for this week's episode, uh, we decided to really slum it. Like, I mean, this is like, this is the lowest brow of the lowest brow of the lowest brow of movie that we could possibly watch that is remotely tangential to the wheelie experience. Okay. Yeah, we stretched it. Yeah, we really did. You got to forgive us. I mean, there were wheelies in the movie, like real wheelies. Yes, and there were some virtues to the film, I would argue. Yeah. But, it, but I still felt guilty the whole time. We watched a movie called The Ringer, which is a 2005 dumb Ferrelli Brothers comedy starring Johnny, Knox- Johnny Knoxville. And uh, so you know him from Jackass and like Bad Grandpa, I believe. And he was like a bit character in the Men in Black movies in the late 90s. He's like He's like basically like, if Jim Carrey had sex with, uh, I don't like this comparison. He's basically Jim Carrey by way of like extreme sports, and you know how much I like Jim Carrey. I know, but they're okay. So, did I say the name of the movie? We watched The Ringer. Yeah, yeah, you did. Okay, yeah. The plot is like Johnny Knoxville is a guy that works in an office job and he's unhappy, so he goes and asks for a way a, a raise from his boss. And then in order to be able to afford his increase in salary, his boss says they have to fire the janitor. So Johnny Knoxville feels guilty and he hires the janitor to mow his lawn. But then the janitor injures his hand while he's doing like lawn work and he loses his fingers. And then Johnny can't pay for the fucking surgery to have this poor guy have his fingers reattached. So he and his like skeezy uncle devise a scheme to rig the Special Olympics so that they can bet against the Special Olympics star athlete and make enough money to pay for this poor janitor's surgery. It's a really convoluted, stupid setup as an excuse to put Johnny Knoxville in the same, in in the leagues of a crew of uh, disabled people, most of whom have uh, cognitive disabilities but we you did mention this but it's worth repeating this movie came out in 2005 yeah it came out in 2005 like way before people cared about what other people thought well the the interesting thing about it was actually that it was um it was like sanctioned by the like the special olympics really like they yeah, they had input on the jokes and the portrayals of the disabled characters. Well, that's good. I mean, you wouldn't really be able to get away with making this movie and not do that, I guess. Right. The interesting thing about it is that the wheelies in the film are never really the butt of any kind of joke. Yeah, let's start with what's good about it, because they did actually hire a number of wheelies or like we're calling when we say wheelies in this context. It's just people with disabilities in general. Yeah, there's actually no one. There's no main character 
or member of the cast that's like in a wheelchair or unable to walk. Right, but there are still people with disabilities. Yep. And they cast them seemingly authentically, Yep, at least for the most part. And for, from that point of view, it was good. Like, I think that they, the actors all seemed kind of in on it. Yeah, and like I said, n- none of the wheelies are ever, like, made the brunt of the joke. No. Like, there's a lot of slapstick humor in the film a lot of johnny knoxville like falling down or getting mauled by dogs or like hitting his head on some like piece of olympic equipment or something and then like recovering uh but there's like the wheelies are never involved in that and so they're never portrayed as like victims um and they 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 also deliver a lot of the one-liners in the film and yeah. some of the jokes are pretty good. Yeah, no, they definitely have good jokes. Yeah. You could kind of tell that they didn't write this movie in a vacuum. I didn't know that they actually had the special Olympics support. Yeah. That's actually pretty cool. It is super cool. The, the, the I, I guess what, I guess it's the premise that is kind of like in poor taste. Cause you could just like imagine the, the pitch meeting where it's like, Oh, you know, like this star of of Jackass who's made a career out of basically abusing himself and mutilating himself and subjecting uh, his his friends to ridiculous amounts of pain and just like like egregious unnecessary risk, all for the immediate guttural reaction that people elicit when they see somebody injure themselves. Like, I don't know. Did you ever enjoy Jackass as a kid? Uh, I remember one time I gave $10. It was me and a few friends. We gave $10 to an old man to pretend that he was our uh, like uncle or grandfather or something to let us into the theater so we could watch it. Really? Yeah. When I was underage. Because I went through a period when I was 13 and 14 where all of my sleepovers involved this like group of guys who would bring their laptops over and they would watch um, like the MTV episodes of um, Jackass like on 240p like AVI DivX files (laughs) and they would like hook it up to our CRT screen and like watch these videos like this was before youtube even and they would like steal liquor from the liquor cabinets and sit around and like fantasize about i don't know fucking diving into a pit of mousetraps or like what the hell did they do it's basically like looney tunes nonsense except instead of cartoon characters like the people the characters being abused are like drug-addled tattooed idiots in their 20s I feel like I'm describing this really poorly. Like there was a time in my life where Jackass would have been funny to me, maybe, but I never understood like that confidence that those stunt people, they're essentially stuntmen. I never understood the confidence they had in going through with this type of shit. Yeah. Well, that's what I think everyone watched it for. Yeah. Like if some, if, if like, if you were out with Jeff McCool 10 years ago, and 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 Jeff like fell down and knocked a tooth out. Would you be laughing hysterically? No. 
Isn't that isn't that essentially what jackass is? Sometimes I laugh in awkward situations when I'm uncomfortable and I don't know how to react. Yeah. I will laugh. But no, generally not. I do laugh at like I used to watch America's funniest home videos all the time. And that would crack me up. Even like the dumbest ones where someone like smokes their back off a fence or something. But in Jackass, it's like, it's like, you know, Johnny Knoxville like enters, what do they call it? Like a matador ring or something and has like a bull like run after him and like literally fucking spear him. And then he like gets his tailbone like nailed and he's like writhing around on the ground, laughing hysterically at his own injury. And I'm just thinking like, what sort of fucked up pathology do you have to have to find this amusing, you know? I think it's just like a desperate need for approval and someone else's attention. So here's why I'm like kind of getting into this is because there's some like jackass DNA in this movie. Yeah. Because like the movie does sort of also feel a little bit guilty that it's set up this premise for a comedy film. And so it it sort of tries to compensate for it by constantly subjecting Johnny Knoxville to abuse. And the thing is, I actually kind of believe him to be a gifted physical comedian. And I think it's a, a skill that he's sort of like learned over time from, again, the constantly subjecting himself to actual abuse. And so there are the, the number of stunts where you actually see him get hurt. It's 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 him. Well, yeah. Because their careers definitely sort of hinge on your ability to be comfortable with discomfort. That's also true. Yeah, that tension of like, holy fuck, are they really doing this? Yeah. Like, like is Steve-O really going to allow himself to get uh, stung in the eye by a tarantula? Right. Or like have somebody like jam a hot spike into his ass? You're right. Like, I think that's literally the type of shit that one guy like literally like ran through um like an array of like live electrical wires or something i mean the stuff they do is outrageous it's it's absolutely like they have the okay so they they're like just not afraid to die and and like i have already like a natural aversion and like like a a, a resentment toward people who work out too hard like who have like and this i mean this probably feeds into our earlier discussion about this like like redundant staircase behind me uh-huh. uh, but like i i get mad at like long distance runners who literally like run their joints into oblivion and because you know in their head they're like trying to compensate for something that's missing they're trying to prove something to themselves that they do in fact have the strength the endurance the intestinal fortitude to climb four steps to climb for for some people it's four and for some people it's 400 okay so i get it like i obviously get it but i also get mad at it i i don't think i was ever mad at the movie i felt uncomfortable i i hadn't remembered watching it until maybe like the second act started Mm -hmm. and then for some reason everything just clicked and i remembered the whole movie yeah and I think for its time, it was probably doing something kind of profound. I don't know. Maybe people, maybe I'll disagree with this, but I've said it before in other contexts when someone who is not disabled comes into the world through acting in this way to the world of disability. 
Uh-huh. Even though a lot of people get upset that they're not disabled, so like get them out and let the disabled people stay there. Yeah. I think there's some wrong to that philosophy because you're just kind of perpetuating the segregation. And yeah, this movie, maybe I'm playing devil's advocate, but I kind of do believe that it at least gives the people like these actors with different mental disabilities. Yeah. The platform to shine and to have to be seen. Yeah. And to have the world look at them in a new way. Yeah. With more empathy and with, uh, without, without as much condescension. And they're more your peers in the moment. Yeah. Like, um, I agree with you. And I actually think this movie's kind of like worth a watch because of it. It's an actual uh, disabled buddy comedy. We always talk about how much we would love to make one with like Judd Apatow or, you know, whoever was really prominent in 2007 through 2015 that made some really good, strong comedies. And uh, like the movie. Okay, so the disabled characters in the film catch on to the fact that Johnny Knoxville is not disabled very quickly which I would give the movie credit for. Yeah, that's very smart. Yeah, because it it suggests, obviously, that they are not innately culpable and that um, they are okay with the proceedings of the film for their own reasons. Namely, they're tired of the amount of tension, of of the amount of attention that one particular athlete is stealing from them because he's been legitimately sponsored by a number of corporations and he's actually acquired a whole bunch of toxic celebrity. He's like the cash cow. Yeah, he's kind of a big douchebag and they want they want to basically dethrone this guy so they can go back to enjoying the Special Olympics. <clears throat> and so there's some, I mean, like I said, the movie feels kind of guilty about its own foundation. So when they find out that Johnny Knoxville is in fact not disabled, he still has to train because the disabled athletes are better than him. Like he's like a mid to late 30 year old man who was good at track and field 20 years ago. I also like that because yeah. he goes in with the assumption that the audience probably had. Yeah. We're like, oh, anyone could just go in there and beat them. Yeah. That's a hilarious premise because I've always thought of that. What if I could just run in and just pole vault my way to the finish line or like do the highest high jump or whatever? Yeah. Not factoring in that just because they have a mental disability or something doesn't mean they can't be super pro athletes. And so the movie didn't shy away from letting Johnny Knoxville be the butt of that and just letting him be absolutely trash at all things athleticism. Yeah, he's subjected to a variety of different humiliations to sort of make up for his poor taste, I guess. Yeah, the whole movie's kind of on the side of the people in Special Olympics. It's not like Johnny is some anti-hero or something. It's like everyone's kind of in it together, they realize quickly, like you said, that he's not 
disabled and doesn't deserve to be there and they use it in their favor yeah in a pretty fun way mm-hmm. um so they they also kind of do a number of things together and the disabled characters are not token no you know like they they leave the campus to go see movies and and do stuff and i guess it somewhat like harkens to one flew over the cuckoo's nest like the 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 special olympic center is almost treated like their institution unfortunately and so there are some parallels there that don't quite feel good but that, that's probably how it feels i'm sure it does feel that way for athletes they're probably under a lot of constraints to make sure that they yeah. you know fulfill the contractual obligations or yeah. even just succeed at their event or whatever get the sponsorship that they wanted yeah yeah so that's probably realistic in that sense but it's still like oh we're getting off of the you know we're we're breaking out of the hospital to go do things in the regular world like what a big no-no um and like what else like i don't know they they have sleepovers and like Johnny Knoxville seeks out the advice, like seeks out romantic advice from the disabled characters. And it, so it's basically like everyone who matters in the movie other than Johnny is disabled, which to be honest, I was pretty okay with. What about the love story? Were you okay with the love story? No, the love story was bullshit. Yeah. I do like, I do like Catherine Heigl and I feel like she's, unfairly maligned there were two things that stood out to me that were a little cringy the Mm -hmm. first is when he's practicing to be disabled oh yeah yeah that's super yeah he was standing at a mirror just like trying on these different personalities and these Mm -hmm. different accents i don't even think they were funny i feel like they could have been a lot better yep they were just picking the lowest hanging fruit for all of those lines. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, his uncle had him base his performance of disability on Forrest Gump. Right. As well as, I think, like, My Left Foot or something. Like, I don't know. He watched an, an array of high-profile Hollywood movies with disabled characters. And then based his impression off of that. And that was, like, really ugly. But then the love story, this whole arc, was also strange. Yeah. To sum it up... Basically, Johnny Knoxville comes in, calls himself Jeffy. Yeah. And Catherine Heigl takes a liking to him because she kind of, he's new, but she's super nice. And also, he's a little different than all the other disabled athletes. She suspects that there's neglect occurring between Johnny and his caretaker, i.e. his uncle. Right. Who's played by Brian Cox. And... um. He's just a skeezy bastard who's exploiting Johnny to he like he has a gambling debt in addition to this surgical bill that Johnny has to pay. So he's basically like breathing over Johnny's shoulder to continue on like defrauding the Olympics because he needs money. Yeah, he kind of masterminds the whole thing. Yeah. So it's Johnny's uncle that like makes him enroll and then like basically speaks to Catherine Heigl's character about his condition and he's like done none of the prep work to like really sell this lie so 
get Catherine's immediately suspicious. And then she also thinks that Johnny's dad or caretaker is an asshole. So she immediately kind of like takes him under her wing. And the weird thing is, is that like you kind of believe that she cares. Like she's not just like an aloof character who sort of goes along with everything in service of the plot. No, she's probably the most grounded part of the movie. Yeah, it is like a super light characterization and she's not really given much to work with. Her motivation for for being um, an official at the Olympics is because she had a sibling who was mentally disabled and had and who died prematurely or something. So it's like really lazy, obviously. But there's moments where she questions whether or not she has feelings for Johnny and it's not really diminished by the film. Well, it is near the end where as soon as it gets too apparent that she can't pretend, mm-hmm. then she dismisses herself from the whole organization. Yeah. And says like, oh, uh, you know, I, I was being unprofessional. I led him on and I have to recuse myself. But I mean, it raises a pretty wild uh, discussion which is okay so like after after she leaves he obviously ends up winning the tournament he doesn't win the tournament actually he he dethrones like he makes the previous uh first contender uh, come in third so he effectively uh allows his uncle to rectify his gambling debt and then he also is able to pay for his co-worker's surgery right so he wins in that sense. He wins the movie. And he also, quote unquote, gets a girl. Well, he, in his acceptance speech, he's like, oh, I can't accept this because I'm not actually disabled. Yeah. And obviously she's like, oh, what the heck? Yeah, I think that's actually a line in the movie. She's like, oh, what the heck? Oh, yeah, that, oh what the heck? That was a clip. I just played it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, she she leaves. And then that's kind of where the love story should have ended. I think so, too. He shouldn't have got the girl. Or he gets the girl before and then finds out and she leaves. Ah, like, yeah. Is it okay? Would it have been okay for them to actually end up together? No. Because because of his mental disability? Uh, no, no, of course not. I, I just mean like he doesn't really, he shouldn't get the girl because he doesn't deserve the girl. I mean, before he comes clean. By the way, no one deserves a person. I just mean like he didn't really, he didn't really earn the right to even try to go up with her or the right. I don't know. I'm digging a hole. Anyway. <laughs> uh, no, what, what I'm saying is like, it, it's a, because the movie kind of implies that when he was disabled, it was terrible for her to, even entertain the idea Mm -hmm. that's true it does and then when he's able-bodied she's like okay well now i can give you a chance yeah that that is the implication actually yeah so that's kind of messed up it is totally messed up i agree like i i understand that the argument i guess is like if a person has a mental disability and they can't make you're you're too far different mentally then it's probably inappropriate but the way that jeffy in this movie was portraying himself wasn't would it have been inappropriate i don't know 
This is like a slippery slope. Um, a turkey, it's a turkey one. I was just thinking, like, bona fide. If like a bona fide genius dates a person of average intelligence, <laughs> would the same arguments still hold that you're talking about? No, but I think it's more. Also, what is intelligence? What like what is intelligence? It, it's like entirely subjective. It's definitely a slippery slope. And I don't really know because I haven't really thought about it. But I think it's closer to the argument of like an adult versus someone underage. Like they don't have the capacity to consent. I could see that. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. But then it's also difficult to measure someone's um, like mental equivalence. It's terrifying. It's very difficult, which is why... The age of consent is different in different places. It's It depends on so many factors. So far as we're talking about problems with this movie, uh, one thing that I've kind of noticed is there's a number of films, like romantic films, where the male lead will pretend to be part of a minority demographic or experience or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, And then in the process of that deception they meet a woman and fall in love and then have to break it to them at the end of the second act that they are not who like they presented themselves to be. So I was thinking like, you know, that Cuba Gooding Jr. movie from 2003 called boat trip where him and a friend accidentally go on a gay cruise. Yeah. And then they're like horrified because they're because, Oh no, uh, Dick's on a boat. And then, they meet like a woman and blah, 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 blah. So there's that. And then there's like, I was thinking like the nutty professor, which is a bit of a reverse or converse of this where Eddie Murphy pretends to be, he effectively pretends to be a skinny person in order to basically court a woman. And then there's like, like Tootsie where a guy disguises himself as a woman in order to get a part in a, in a, TV show or something. And then throughout that film, he falls in love. I guess like Avatar is sort of an example, like a white guy pretends to be of a non-white race and then falls in love. Beauty and the Beast, he pretends to be an animal. <laughs> the little mermaid pretends to be a mermaid because mermaids don't exist. But you, you understand what I'm saying? Like it's like you 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 pretend to be among a minority demographic so you appear non-threatening. And then like it, in the process of that, like the woman lets her guard down right. and then you're able to basically court her. And then by the time you you tell her the truth, she's already, she's already familiar with you enough that the movie thinks that it's reasonable for her to forgive the deception. Is it that the movie, like, is it? Oh, by the way, in, are... by the way, in one flew over the cuckoo's nest, Jack Nicholson pretends to be, uh, intellectually disabled or to have depression or something in order to qualify to be in the institution. And so it's like, also it's this idea that the only way that you can like uh, climatize uh, an able-bodied audience to a movie about a disabled person is to come up with some convoluted circumstance in which they become a member of the, of that group. But I think, I think for this movie, it almost works that way because he is the able-bodied viewer's entry point into this community. Yeah, and then and then 
just as Johnny Knoxville has his assumptions challenged, so do the audience, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But it's always, but what that, what that ends up doing is always telling the story through the vantage of the able-bodied person or the vantage of the majority. That's true. And then, so the disabled person's story or the minority person's story is always relative to their oppression or something you know what i mean that's a very good point yeah it's never their story it's like it's their story from able vantage i'm trying to think of like almost all the movies we've talked about with i can think of the sessions and obviously crib camp but crib camp is kind of a league of its own the sessions is one where it's told through the lens of the disabled person mm-hmm but then so many other ones like Me Before You, that's still basically, that's told from Amelia Clark's vantage point. Mm-hmm. Um, so many movies. Yeah, you're, that's a great point. I think the reason they do that is because those are the people just statistically that are going to be sitting in the theater watching it. So in order to market it, that's kind of how they have to write it. Or at least that's what they think. I- what the, I think what they have to start doing is like is like recruiting because they've they've done this a lot with um with like new female comedians they've actually like Amy Poehler has reached out to like women on YouTube and said like hey I'll make a like Broad City but yeah I'll make I'll make a TV show with you on Comedy Central based on your YouTube videos I think you girls are fucking hilarious and I want to collaborate with you so they need to start doing that with disabled YouTube personalities or fucking like, you know, Gerza. Yeah. Well, I think that now that we're in the golden age of television or whatever, we're we're kind of out of that, by the way, there hasn't been like a really good show in a long time. Well, there've been so many shows that I think it's going to be easier and easier to just start throwing money at these little projects Mm -hmm. instead of trying to be like, we need to make the next Sopranos. We're just yeah. gonna make another one of these and then another one of those. And then so in that sense, I think it's good. Like I don't think we would have had the show special five years ago or ten years ago. And I think that's the reason we have it. That's true. Is because there are so many platforms and so many venues for TV and for media and other creative media sources to get eyes. Mm-hmm. So Like I agree that way too many of these movies are told through the lens of the able-bodied person, but I think it was kind of necessary to sell the movie. At the time. At the time. And now, because there's so much more content being generated, I think we're going to see more and more people with all sorts of life perspectives being shown on screen. Yeah, I agree with you. The issue with that is not as many people will see any one of them. Well, they'll still garner niche audiences yeah. of like oftentimes millions of viewers, which is enough. Yeah, no, it's definitely. And I think it's the people who really want to see those things will end up seeing those things, which is awesome. Yep. One other thing, like I was thinking about, like, what if this movie starred the traditional Brat Pack of comedians? Like if this wasn't an experiment with Johnny Knoxville, then it would likely be some kind of Adam Sandler vehicle. 
and then like the developmental roles would be given to Nick Swartzen and like Rob Schneider. Adam Sandler would do them himself. Yeah, but it would be like Rob Schneider in like Cripple Face. But the the problem would be Adam Sandler would play the disabled people too. Yeah. And it would be it would be actually gross. Yeah. Like every joke would be gross and lowest common denominator. And it would be a vacation movie where they they all go to Florida together to participate in the disabled aquatic uh what's what's that sport where you do like ballet in the water what water polo no it would be like a synchronized swimming movie Uh, and it would be like rob schneider uh replicated 12 times like floating in the pool and making cripple face and it would just be awful but that's the thing like remember when rob schneider was making a bunch of movies making millions of dollars and all those movies were garbage. And now there are so many movies, it doesn't really matter. It wouldn't even matter if Rob Schneider made out made a garbage movie now. Because you can just watch another movie. That's true. That is true. But Adam Sandler still gets to monopolize Netflix with a bunch of turds. I, I mean, like, Uncut Gems is good. Like, every year. He, did you see the new Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler movie where they go to Jamaica and, and drink booze? Like in It's hard to hate on Adam Sandler because if I was Adam Sandler, I would do the exact same thing. Like, he gets to turn every vacation into a business trip. If you could turn all your vacations into elaborate business trips with your friends, you would make it... F- Non-stop fun for everyone. Yeah, Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston definitely are having fun on those movies. But but if you were to create content while having fun, like you would make sure it entertained as many people as possible. You would not be. You wouldn't fucking phone it in every movie. I don't think he's phoning it in. I think he's having fun. Are you defending Adam Sandler? Yeah, Tony. I mean, like, I'm not... Tony, insult my staircase all you want, but do not defend Adam Sandler. <laughs> I'll do both. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I I don't think that he's a great actor, but I think he found his lane and he carved it and he, he's doing it. No, see, I actually disagree with both pieces of that sentence. I actually do think he's a good actor because Uncut Gems was a fantastic movie. That's as true. was as was Punch Drunk Love, as was the the, the Merowitz stories, uh, as was The Wedding Singer. He's made good movies, so there is not an absence of talent. Yeah, There's but The absence- Wedding Singer is because he's funny, not because he's a good actor. Because he has wonderful chemistry with, uh, what's-her-face? Drew Barrymore. Thank you, Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Yeah, and he's done a bunch of those movies, and they're, I I like a lot of those movies, but... I think you're just trying to hold them to a different standard than you hold themselves. I think talented people owe it to themselves to... Why know, are we even talking about Andrew Sandler right now? Because I was thinking, like, the, I one reason I was... One reason I enjoyed The Ringer was because it didn't go the Adam Sandler route. Like, right. it was a low-brow comedy with a terrible premise that was likely pitched by a short-sighted, uh, money-grubbing dickhead. But still, somehow, 
elements of the execution were good. And for 2005, like its prioritization of inclusivity was strong. Yeah, that was the biggest thing for me. Yeah, so it totally fucking exceeded my expectations. You know, even though it played to the tropes of like the like shitty rom-coms and Catherine Heigl really had no opportunity to be funny, despite the fact that like less than a year later, she was like a cornerstone of the biggest comedy of that particular year. Uh, was it the first time you saw this movie? Yeah. Oh. So, yeah. So I was just saying like this wasn't a Netflix Adam Sandler shithole movie and right. point, points for that. Yeah, no, I agree. Also, I got major Barry vibes from Brian Cox and his portrayal of yeah. Johnny's uh, uncle. Yeah. Like he like I really like Stephen Root in the TV show Barry. So I think I had a bias. We're going tangents. I'm not, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. You're going to have to play the snore sound effect pretty fucking soon. But the only other thing I want to say about the movie is... Wheel breakers. Okay, so here's my wheel breaker. Ready? Yep. So I'm going to make you able-bodied, Jamie. Sweet. Yeah, that's it. There's no catch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the best wheel breaker yet, dude. Yeah. All right. Here's the catch. Every time you use your dick for pleasure, either by yourself or with a friend, it gets smaller by half. No, <laughs> Tony. Tony. By half. Oh God. Here, here's how it's gonna work. Okay. So <laughs> you use it. You know, you're having a great time. <laughs> I mean, I hope so. You better, because yeah. it's gonna. You only get a few chances. <laughs> a few. It's more than four steps. <laughs> so let's let's say it's a uh, eight steps, right? Uh huh. So you use it. You get all the way to the top. You get to the landing. You're excited about it. Mm-hmm. It's not like immediately it goes down to four steps. It's like within a few days to a week, it slowly goes down to seven steps and then six steps. Can I can I can I do things to like recuperate steps? No, you can't recuperate steps. But if you run up and down the steps a bunch of times in a day or a week, uh-huh. it's still just gonna go down to four steps. You're saying if I rub the steps? Yeah, but that won't make that won't get the steps any bigger. It won't give you more steps. It's just it's not what I'm saying is it's not a one to one ratio of stair climbing to step ratio to step loss. Oh, uh, so you're saying that the only time I lose steps is if I'm on the staircase with another person? No, it can be also when you're when you're taking the stairs on your own. Really? What if I don't get to the top? I stop at the last step. Yeah, if you stop at the last step. Uh, but then that would arguably be worse torture than just taking the final step. I think it would be. Yeah. I don't think you'd be able to endure that for very long. Yep. Yeah, so we'll say that's fine. But but wait, I just want to make it clear. <laughs> when you get to the top of the stairs, you can, it's not like immediately it goes away. So you can go up and down the stairs a bunch of times in a day or a week 
and you'll still only lose the first four steps that time. So what triggers the loss of additional steps? Well, it's like it gets tired. The stairs get tired. So you go up the stairs and it starts to shrink down to four steps. This is confusing. I don't know if I could. Yeah. Well, it's just because then like, you know, basically the idea would be that you can have a bunch of sex (laughs) and then it would just go down by half. And then you, it, it kind of works in like, like if you do it once, it would still go down by half. But if you do it five times in a short period of time, it's still just going to go down by half from that, from that chunk of time. Does that make sense? This is, this is convoluted. If you were presenting this as a premise in a film, it, would, it wouldn't click for people. All right, then let's do it every time you get to the top of the steps. The answer is no. I'm sorry. I, I'm sure that disappoints Why are you sorry? Because, I, I, mean, I mean, I feel like I'm admitting to some primordial truth about... About human beings and <laughs> the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I think so, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think that's a pretty acceptable answer. It's just funny if it goes down by half, because it would never... It would just... It would never be zero. <laughs> like, eventually... You're like, oh, well, I'm just losing a couple of minutes. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, it would just, it would, it would approach zero. It would just get closer and closer. Yeah. So you wouldn't take the deal. Nope. Good for you. I would have been, I, I feel like we would have had to have a long discussion offline if you took that deal. You mean like in order to boost my confidence? I would just be like, dude, like get your priorities straight. Oh, yeah. Do you have one, or were you just going to use the one that you did earlier? I the I the one I had did earlier was my only one. All right. Well, honestly, we had more to say about this movie than I thought we did. We were going to really. Yeah, like I watched it, and I was like, I feel imposter syndrome a lot with these movies. Why? Because I just don't feel like I'm qualified to talk about it. Oh, because because it focused more on like cognitive impairment. Yeah. Even when we did uh, when we did music by Sia, I was like, I don't, I don't feel comfortable talking about this. Obviously, we can draw parallels because our other experience probably in a lot of ways parallels their other experience. See, I think the reason they chose like uh, developmental, I think the reason they chose people with like d- developmental issues is because it would have the premise would have appeared less edgy. If it was just a bunch of dudes in in wheelchairs. I also think these people were kind of inherently funnier than just a random group of people in wheelchairs would have been. They were funny guys. Yeah. Like there was a number of like ad hoc lines that were really good. Yeah. Well, um, should we end it? Yeah, let's end it there. All right. Take care, everyone. Have a good night.